There's a call going out across the land in every nation. A call to all who sway allegiance to the cross of Christ. A call to true humility to live our lives responsibly, to deepen our devotion to the cross at any price. Let us then be sober, moving only in the spirit. As aliens and strangers in a hostile foreign land, the message we're proclaiming is repentance and forgiveness the offer of salvation to the dying race of man to love the lord our god is the heartbeat of our mission the spring from which our service the passion of the flame, spilling light unsparingly throughout a darkened room. Let us burn to know him deeper than a service flaming bright. We'll radiate his passion. name to love the lord our 
Well, good morning. Um, it was interesting. We had the background music playing really soft, and everybody's talking. The music got a little louder. Everybody got louder. <laughs> and uh, anyway, it's good. Good to have our fellowship here. I want to welcome you to our second week of our missions conference. We had a great first hour hearing from a couple of our missionaries, um, and uh, we appreciate them a lot. Glad they could come and share their ministry with us. We want to continue with that today. Um, we're going to have a special guest that wasn't on the schedule, but he called me and found out we were having the conference, and we got him a small spot. Um, and I'm going to, we've talked some this morning about the Spanish that's being spoken um, around the world, and I've got some Spanish too. Here it comes. Juan Barrientos. <laughs> Thank you. Muy bien, buenos días. Qué gusto poder estar acá. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm Juan Barrientos, and he did very good job. So, my congratulations. Um, I'm Juan Barrientos, and I from Curacao, the Netherlands Antilles, what used to be the Netherlands Antilles. And this morning, I have my wife there in the back and my daughter and then we have also our nephew um, Guillermo with us this morning so he is the son of one of the other missionaries um, that work with us in Lima Peru I'm a missionary with World Reach in Lima Peru and I'm not going to talk about the Mobile Bible Institute Brad already did a great job so I'm going to talk about the church planting ministry that we are having in Lima so God has um, put on our hearts to start a church many years ago, almost 25 years ago, we started this church in Lima, Peru, called uh, Iglesia Cristiana La Roca, and we started it with children. So we loved children, we loved the kids, we were working with the children's ministry, and they started accepting Jesus Christ. And then we start seeing the need for them to have a church in their own area. And we start praying to the Lord, what are, where can we send those people? So the answer came, you start a church. So by obedience on God's call, we started this church um, in Jose Galvez, a very rural area, poor area in the southern part of Lima. And this is how um, we started La Roca Church. But we have other ministries. So we, we have a, a school called um, La Roca Christian School. We have a prenatal center also there, and then we have what we call the physical relief. Um, we help um, people around us that are in need. So in all of this ministry, our pri pri priority is to evangelize, to disciple, to teach, and to counsel. And we have seen God save so many people, youth, um, kids, women, men, families that came to those ministries that um, we have in Lima. So, and I want to just pause and thank the church because since the beginning of our ministry, you are part 
uh, of this ministry in Peru. So um, I thank God for Pastor Marange. He was here a while ago. And he's the one that trusted us when we were still young lad, you know, came to the church. We present the ministry. He said, well, I trust. So the church trusted us and started supporting us. And God has done great things um, in Peru through um, the church that we planted it. So we started um, not only La Roca um, Christian Church in Lima, but God has opened opportunity for us to start um, in Quebrada Verde, that is another church plan we have, and this church is also growing. Last year, um, in 2021, when the borders were open again, a medical group came from Delaware, and we took them two hours south from Lima, and God used this group for us to start a new church in Roldan. So this is in Cañete, two hours south from Lima, and this church is growing. It's growing. We have a nice group of children coming, adults, every Friday with a hunger um, to learn about God's word. So, and God is using um, this um, church plan. Last, oh, this year in January, they were there again, and we took them to um, another village called Kilmana. Um, it's just 20 minutes from the Roldan, the, the third church. So God has opened doors for us now to start another church. So um, the mayor came and he said, I would like for you to bring more of these type of groups and I will take you to the other villages uh, because they are in great need of medicine. And we know and you know that they do this because they want to promote their, <laughs> their candidates. But for us, it's good. This is new doors for us to present the gospel. So this is the way we are taking this, that God is using this man for us to go to other um, towns and villages around Kilmana to present the gospel. This time, this group was able to see 1,800 people in one week, and several of them, more than 200 people, accepted Jesus um, during those times. One thing of, of this particular group was that normally when we have a um, mission group come, a short-term mission, um, we have our people that will translate and preach the gospel. This time, the people will come and see the doctor. They will say, thank you for the medicine. Thank you for the vitamin, but I came here because I need Jesus. Can you help me? So the North American group was there, staring, and they were able to present the gospel through the translator, and they have seen how God has used them to lead our others to Christ. And so this was very, very wonderful. So um, continue to pray um, for us in, for this ministry of church planting in Lima, Peru, and around Lima. So this last Friday, we started officially our um, school year for La Roca Christian School. And for our surprise, we had more than 600 parents that came um, to the first night. So it was Friday night, and it was a great opportunity for us to preach the gospel to all the parents there. So we are so happy that um, God is bringing. This is the first time that we can have the parents after those two, three years of, of the pandemic. So they, they were able to come together. So, and we have 350 kids um, in our school. Uh, man, um, almost 20 years ago, we started it with 
or 21, because my daughter is already 21. Uh, we started it with 16 children, and God has grown this school into a beautiful um, place of reaching out with the gospel to the children and to their parents. So many families already came to know Christ, and they are coming to, to the La Roca Christian Church there, where we are pastoring. So um, also this year, our daughter will graduate from music, and her goal is to go back to Peru and start a music school. Um, to teach those children. Music is very expensive to learn in Peru, but God has given us a team of professionals that can um, play instruments, that know how to teach music, so they are going to do this ministry in, in La Roca. So pray that God will enlarge her vision, that she will um, do more than we have done um, during those years of ministry. Again, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. I want to thank you for, for your support, for your prayers. And let, as our brother said this morning, now you know how to pray more effectively for us on the field. So um, we praise God for this. Will you um, bow your heads with me and let us pray? Father, we do thank you for this morning, for your presence with us. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you have given to us when we believe in Christ Jesus. And we want him to move our hearts, to exalt you, to worship you, to praise you. And we pray that you will speak to our hearts this morning and that we will be encouraged and our spirits will be lifted up um, through your word in this morning. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, church. Let's all stand. Can we sing to the great God of our salvation this morning?
So take me as you find me All my fears and failures Come feel my life again I give my life to follow Everything I believe in Now I surrender I surrender Savior, He can move the mountains My God is mighty to save He is mighty to save forever Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Oh Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Oh, Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Shine your light and let the whole world see. Singing for the glory of the risen King. Oh, Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Now sing with me. How great is our God, sing with me. How great is our God, and all will see how great, how great is our God. Splendor. The splendor of the King. Clothed in majesty, let all the earth rejoice. 
One more time together, church. <clears throat> How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. Oh, we'll see. How great. How great is our God. Let's sing this. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Then sings 
You guys saw the, uh, <laughs> there we go, you guys saw the words of Luke 4 up there when we first started our time of worship together, and I wanted to expand on that just a little bit, um, beginning in Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 22, um, this is what it says about Jesus, he had just been tempted in the desert for about 40 days, he arrived in Galilee, and then it says he came to his hometown. You guys are familiar with this passage, but just, just listen for just a second. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. So just get that visual for just a second. All eyes were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Can you guys imagine what that must have been like to, to be there? Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He says, Today it's fulfilled. And as I think about missions, um, whether you are here or abroad, Jesus Christ has set us as captives free. But what is so amazing about his divine plan is, he wants you and I to go tell the world about that reality, that they too can be set free as captives. He chose us. We were talking about it last Wednesday night in small group. It baffles the mind why he chose his own redeemed to go speak to those who are not yet redeemed about their opportunity to be redeemed. They can be set free. This song is all about that reality. Dead 
used to wearing that headpiece, so I'm just getting up here talking. Um, thank you, praise team, and um, you know, Dennis Kirkland was talking the first hour um, about the younger generations and um, that the Lord can, can use them and, and that they would go out on the field, and, and we pray for that, but there's a mission field right here, and it's great to see that half of the stage um, with young people. Who are helping to lead worship and uh, Kevin? I think you were singing that last song, but all I could hear was Kate. <laughs> um, but I just—it uh, was hard for me to sit there um, after that second song um, and not want to come up here and read scripture and um, just say stop and let's pause because it's always good to read the Word of God. Um, there's never a time where it's not. And um, even if it interrupts a service, I mean, it's just the way it is, right? There's nothing better to read. And so in, 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 with that in mind, I wanted to read uh, Psalm 148. And I'd like you to turn to Psalm 148, which speaks about the greatness of our Lord and the importance of, of his creation uh, to praise him. And it, I don't know that we think about this a lot, but creation praises the Lord. 
uh, whether we're doing that or not, creation does. And um, I know that the speakers probably are nervous, like, oh, we have a pastor up there, he's going to start preaching. I'm not going to preach, I'm just going to read these scriptures. But I want us to keep in mind while we're here, we're not here to glorify missionaries. We're not here to glorify singers. We're not here to glorify pastors or teachers. We're here to glorify the Lord, the Lord God. So I want you to stand with me in honoring the Lord as we read Psalm 148. The psalmist says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his host. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all stars of light. Praise him, highest heavens and the waters that are above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He has also established them forever and ever. He has made a decree which will not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters and all the deeps. Excuse me. Fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged fowl, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and virgins, old men and children. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Look at this. For his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. And he has lifted up a horn for his people. Praise for all his godly ones, even for the sons of Israel, a people near to him. Praise the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We appreciate those who have taken the opportunity to be with us that are our missionaries. And if you're visiting with us here today, one of the privileges that we have here at Grace is to be able to meet our missionaries and be involved in their lives. And so we don't take that for granted, but we're very, very thankful for them being here today. Juan... It was great to hear from you uh, this morning. We're glad that you have your family with you today. Um, also, the first hour we heard from Brad and uh, his wife Colleen is here. Uh, Taylor, are some of our newest missionaries, and so we're thankful to be able to hear from them. And then um, Dennis Kirkland is here today. I have stories on Dennis, but he has stories on me, so we'll just leave it at that. But it's, it's great to have Dennis and here, and I know his youngest son is also here. Uh, with, why are you giving me that? You know, I was thinking as Dennis was speaking, though, the commonality there is like, man, Lord, you led a bunch of people back in the early 80s to attend Southeastern Bible College, and God used that staff at Southeastern in ways that Dennis and I could just testify Thinking about Dr. Hughley and George Morange and Dr. Talley and Dr. Wex and Dr. Gannett. Just, I mean, the pillars to us 
uh, men who love the Lord and men who are committed to the Word of God. And so I publicly thank the Lord for that. And I know Dennis does as well. But we, uh, we're great to hear from Dennis uh, here uh, this morning. My responsibility right at this moment is to introduce uh, Brian and Terry Furpo. And so one of the things that when I first started pastoring the church, one of the things that I did was I took the missions album and I went through it. And, and I began to mark out the ones I didn't know. I knew by name, but I was like, I don't know these people. And I, I guess as the pastor, I ought to get to know them. I mean, if we support them, right? Uh, I don't know that I got to meet a whole lot of them when I was uh, the associate. And so um, I guess my, my thoughts were elsewhere, probably with youth and, and children and all those kind of things. But the Lord um, used that time just personally going through that mission album to like, man, Lord, I need to go this one and this one. I don't know these. I don't know these. Um, I knew their names, but I didn't know them as, as people. Um, we went to Thailand, a team of us did, back in 2016. I'd never been that far away. I'd been to Belize, but I'd never been on a plane that took you that far. And um, I just really didn't like too much about the flying, to be honest with you. But um, to be able to be with Brian and Terry and the family was a privilege. And it's a privilege to know them, and not to call them our missionaries for, for just that, but they're my friends. And I really, really appreciate that. Um, one of the humorous stories over in Thailand was they could not introduce me as Thad um, for reasons that I don't probably need to go into. But the name Thaddeus just doesn't translate well over there. And so um, Brian said, well, Thad, what else do you go by on that? Calvin, that's my middle name. And so he was about to introduce me, and he turned around, and he said, man, I don't think I can do this. Introduce you as Calvin. I said, well, you better not do Thad. <laughs> so <laughs> whatever you come up with, it better be good. So um, anyway, it's a privilege to have uh, Ryan and Terry with us today. One of the uh, things that happens to us when we meet people and we get to know them is uh, our first impressions go a long way. You know, we talk about that. We think, well, how much do we remember first impressions? But I think we do probably more than we are aware of. One of the first things that we did when Brian came to get us was we went around to the different campuses that they were a part of. And we pulled in to the campuses, and he led us in prayer and praying for those campuses. Man, I was just like, Lord, this is unbelievable. Of all the things that he could be doing, um, he's taking a bunch of Americans over to these campuses and praying for these different groups of kids that they were ministering to. And so that's always made an impression on me. I appreciate the emphasis, Brian, that you and Terry have on prayer. And uh, that's kind of been a running theme this morning. So just want to thank the Lord for you. You come up now and and share about your ministry. I have the thing. (laughs) I just stole it. (laughs) Uh, Good morning. Um, Like uh, Thad said, my name is Brian, my beautiful wife, Terry. Um, 
the first thing I want to say is uh, one of my favorite verses, and it's already been stressed this morning, is just Psalm 115, not to us, uh, not to us, O Lord, but to your name be the glory. And so um, I was asked to share this morning about Thailand, and I, I think it, it goes right along with the theme across the street or around the world. And so I want to tell a story about someone that, that God really, uh, really won across the street and sent across the world. And so uh, there I am, right? Uh, that's me as a, uh, I guess I was 12 when I first moved to Alabama. I'm from, I was born in Gary, Gary Indiana, where Michael Jackson was born. And uh, I guess that's why I dance so well. Uh, that'll attest to that. So I was on the golf team in uh, Austin High, and that's a picture, Terry. I have to throw one of her in there when she was a, a little kid. Those are my two sisters. So I went off to Montevallo, uh, and I had, I just, I didn't want anyone to tell me what to do. I really, I really wanted to live my life, uh, didn't go to church, didn't care anything about church. All I wanted to do was have fun, date pretty women, and, uh, and graduate, and go make a lot of money. And that's what I, I did. And so those, I was a pie cap at Montevallo. Those are about the only three pictures I have left of when I was a, a student, and I saved those to remind me of what God saved me from. And so in the, in, uh, the spring of, of uh, 1986, a pie cap from Sanford came into our fraternity house, and he said, uh, you know, have you ever prayed to receive Christ? And I, and I remember saying, yeah, I pray to receive Christ every day. And I uh, didn't know what I was talking about. I was just being facetious. And, and, um, but he, he told me, he said, <clears throat> he said, Brian, if I could prove to you, I told him I didn't, want to, I didn't want religion. I said, I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. And he said, well, if I, could, if I could tell you that Jesus came that you might know God, would you be interested? And I said, yeah, I've never heard that before. I, I might be interested. And so in the fall of 1986, uh, I became a Christian and I went to uh, a campus outreach meeting because I wanted to recruit some good people to our fraternity. We had a bunch of bad people in our fraternity. After I, I, I partied hard, but I studied hard too. So I made good grades and studied hard. After me, the next generations were just people who just liked to party hard. And so our fraternity kept going down and down. And so I was the rush chairman when I, in my senior year at Montevallo. And I, I said, hey, can I, can I come to that retreat and try to recruit some people who are good people to come to our fraternity. I noticed this group on campus, and they were you know, always dressed nice, and they looked good, and they, they were just good people. And so uh, little did I know that on that retreat, I would hear the good news of Christ, and a professional football player shared with me his testimony about how he had everything. He had everything that I wanted. He had money, he had women, he had drugs, he had this, everything he wanted, and yet he was unfulfilled. And he said, I mean, just, it was just like God was talking to me. And uh, so God saved me on September 12th, 1986. And you, you got the years right. It's almost 40 years uh, ago. And then Campus Outreach has this training project called Beach Project. And I could have graduated from Montevallo in accounting in, in uh, the, the um, summer of 87. But I, uh, they challenged me to go on Beach Project. And I will often say that. A single decision will set into motion a series of events that will change the world. A single decision. What's your single decision today? What's my single decision every day when I get up? And so God led me. It was not me. 
God led me to go on Beach Project, and that's where I was exposed to the needs of the world. I saw things that I never thought I'd see. I saw people, college students, getting up every day and praying and spending time in the Word every morning, and they taught me how to spend time in the Word. They taught me how to grow in my relationship with Christ that I had just found in in the fall of 86. And so, um, yeah, that was me on Beach Project with my discipleship group. And one thing that happened to me, uh, Campus Outreach had just sent our first team to Thailand in 1987 during that project, and one of my friends went there. I supported him, and I prayed for him every day. I remember walking down the beach every day after I ran, after I got home from work. I would go running on the beach, and I would come back, and I would pray for, pray for Thailand. I'd pray for my friend over there in Thailand, the team in Thailand. And so uh, I had never read Romans and so on the beach project, I was reading Romans, and I went and told John, the guy in the middle there, I was like, hey, have you ever read this verse? Like, this is incredible. It says, Paul said, it's like he said in Romans fifteen twenty, he said that it's always been my ambition. He said, it's always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ has never been heard. And I was like, man, I'm ambitious. I want to go do something like that. And, I, and so me and John, we prayed that summer I'd been a Christian nine months. I said, God, send me to the people, the, the lost people of the world who've never heard. And so uh, went back to Montevallo and got some training. And then the next summer graduated and had the opportunity to go to Thailand on a, on a CCP, a summer project. And so that was me there um, at, in Thailand, our first, first summer there, uh, the first time I'd ever been there. And I remember... Uh, going on campus, and so if you've never been over out of the U.S., I'd encourage you to go out of the U.S., but I went, I went on campus every day for two whole months on the, the, the Harvard of Thailand. It's called Chula Longhorn University. It's the best university in the entire country, 68 million people in Thailand, and I was there, and I remember going every day and meeting people, and we talk about everything. We talk about football. We talk about um, apple pie. We talk about pizza. But I always remember asking him, and then we had the four spiritual laws, so we'd talk about Jesus as well. And I, always, I remember out of all those 200 people that I met that summer, I asked these college students on the, best, on the best campus in the whole country, have you ever, have you ever met anyone who was a Christian? And out of 200 people on the best campus in the whole country, not one had ever met a Christian. I asked them, do you, could you know where to buy a Bible? Don't know where to buy a Bible. They have no idea. And so it was like, wow, this is amazing. And then G, uh, Campus Crusade had interpreted the Jesus movie. And so we, we were taking the Jesus movie up to a village. And it was actually about 50, 50 miles south uh, north of where Terry and I lived for 18 years. And we, we went there. And they told us that we were taking this movie to a village that had never had a missionary come there. And so... We were getting on the plane, uh, the train, with, a, with our generator and our movie projector. You young people don't know what a movie projector is. It's where you put the film in. You don't have projectors like this. You actually had to have film. And so we, we were putting this, and we learned to feed the movie into the projector. And I just remember looking at John, who was in Thailand with me, and I said, isn't that amazing that in one year, God answered our prayer, Romans fifteen twenty, send us to those who have never heard. And God sent us to those, those who had never heard. A single decision will set into motion a series of events that will change the world. And so I came back to the States, and uh, you may, you've probably never been there. Uh, it's at a United Methodist Church in Cahaba Heights. 
my, my discipleship leader showed me where this church was, and, it, and it's a prayer room. It's open 24 hours a day, and I've never seen anybody in there. And uh, I would go there uh, often and just seek the Lord and ask him. I'd moved to Birmingham after I graduated. I came back from Thailand. I'd, I, I met Terry. We went on a few dates, and I, was just, I would go there and pray. Uh, and just ask the Lord, what do you want us to do? What do you want me to do? Where, where would you want me to go? And so I applied for some jobs in accounting, and I just felt like the Lord was opening the door for me to have a heart to go back to the world. And so we uh, approached the guy that was our team leader, and so in February of 1989, we put together the Thailand team. There were three couples that ended up being uh, Terry and I. Uh, the, we, um, there's our wedding picture right there. So I looked a lot different. She still looks the same. Everybody always says, what happened to you? How come, how come, she, how come she didn't age in Thailand and you did? And I was like, well, I guess I got blessed. And uh, so, <clears throat> but we, we well, was obviously started dating a lot more. So we met in the fall of 88 and in uh, the spring of 89. Uh, we got busy and started dating. We got engaged in August of 89, married in December of 89. And then in 1990, uh, that's our original team. And so Thad, he was laughing. On our board out there, there's that picture. Everybody likes to see that board, you know, and they point to me and say, wow, he had hair. And um, I'm over there. If you can't see me, I'm in the gray suit and weigh 30 pounds less and uh, had hair. So, um, so that was our original team that went to Thailand. We launched to Bangkok in 1990. And um, our, our, the vision of Campus Outreach is to glorify God by building laborers on the campus for the lost world. And so we chose Thailand because of 68 million people. There's 94% Buddhists. So you do the math. There's out of 68 million, there's about 64 million Buddhists. There's about 3.5 million Muslims. And there's less than 1.5% Christian. My, uh, one of my best friends here, he always introduced me. And he's like, do you know he works in a country where there's as many prostitutes as there are Christians? And that's, that's where we've lived for the past 32 years. And so it's in the middle of an unreached uh, the unreached uh, countries in Southeast Asia. We're in a place called the 1040 window where uh, two billion of the world's people that have never heard the gospel live. And uh, then because we chose campus outreach and to work with students. And so um, because of the, the, the impact that they'll have in the future. So we, we raise support. Uh, people always ask, how do you get to the mission field? We raise support through our financial partners with individuals. And then, of course, our church, uh, Grace Community, uh, came on our support team, I think, in 1994, I believe. And it was Springville Road Community Church back then. I kind of like Grace Community. It's a little bit um, more global, I guess. Grace, you know, rather than just Springville Road. So I always wondered if you had to come from Springville Road to be a member there. So I found out you didn't. But um, I, welco- I was welcomed by Springville Road. And so we raised, we raised up, the Lord raised up uh, prayer and ministry partners and then so people ask me all the time, um, what, do, what, it was, what is our ultimate goal? Our ultimate goal in, in Thailand and around the world where campus outreach is, is we, we build sustainable labor-producing indigenous multiplying movements. And that's a lot of words, and you might go, wow, that sounds like a lot. But so sustainable and scalable is a business term that you can't, if you, if you don't, have, if you don't raise, raise up indigenous believers, it can never be sustainable in the country you are if they're always dependent on the outside. So just sustainable means that it can just sustain itself without needing outside help. And labor producing, of course, is what we do. We build labors on the campus for the lost world. And then we build indigenous 
leaders and then what we're trusting God for and what we've seen happen through the Lord's grace is that we've seen multiplying movements, that God has actually multiplied our ministry from Bangkok to Konkan to Udon and to Chiang Mai where we are and then we're also in Manila, Philippines. So what uh, this, the stages of doing our work is that preparation, investigation. A lot of, again, a lot of people want to see all the old pictures. That is actually, you don't even know, uh, you, you know, young people, you weren't even born. And there was, there is actually an airline called Northwest Airline, believe it or not. And so Terry and I flew Northwest, uh, and we would fly all the way from, we flew Birmingham, Detroit, to Tokyo, to Bangkok, Thailand. It literally takes 24 hours to fly there. It's all the way on the other side of the world. It's, you can't go any farther without getting closer. And so we, uh, <clears throat> when we got there, we, we, were doing, uh, we did language school. Uh, so people ask, you know, do you speak Thai? Yes. So we just basically speak clearly, and we, we speak uh, like indigenous Thai believe us Thai people that that speak so when I call uh when I call to order food or when I call to make a tea time at the golf course and I show up and they go well I thought you were a Thai person you were making the tea time so they tried to charge charge me higher prices because foreigners get charged higher prices than Thai people so so I always like well I live here I've been here for 30 okay you've been here 32 years okay got it so uh, yeah, there's just original pictures of when we were. One of the things uh, in when, you're, when you're moving to a new country, you have to adjust to the food. Uh, one of the greatest things about Thailand is their food. Uh, if you've never had Thai food, it's amazing. Uh, the, on the left, that's mangoes and sticky rice. Uh, on the right, that's my son Caleb. He, that's one of his favorite meals in the northeast of Thailand. We have sticky rice and, and a lot of pork, and, and uh, Jim Franklin loves to come over and eat chicken there with us and uh and also that's papaya salad there uh but that's our some of our favorite food that's another dish i like it's the people ask what do you miss most i miss that dish the most it's called kapow uh kaijio so it's it's basil chicken so if you've ever been to Surin, people go oh, i've had that and so it doesn't quite taste like that but it's pretty good and then when the la- last six years we've lived in chiang mai thailand and that's the most famous dish is called khao soy and it's absolutely amazing. Uh, you can, there's a guy named Mark Weens. He's actually a missionary son who's married to a Thai. And he has about, I forget, like 30, maybe 3.2 or 32 million followers on YouTube. And he does, he does food reviews throughout the whole country. And so we follow him and he uh, told us where to go for that. It's amazing. So another thing we do, that's Will and Matt, our, our two oldest. We had kids there. All, all of our children were born in Thailand. Uh, 92, 95, 2000, uh, 1998, our Thai daughter was born there, and then Caleb was born in 2003. And so it's just like we just raised our family there. We were in Bangkok for eight years. That's what it looks like, literally. It's a parking lot. Uh, there's about 10 million people in Bangkok, Thailand, and so we planted a church there in a campus ministry. And then in 19, uh, and then the country's Buddhist um, that the, there's Buddhist idols, if you, the team that came over could tell you everywhere you go, there's 44,000 temples in a country of 68 million people. So uh, Thailand is about the size of Texas. So you can imagine 44,000 temples in, in the state of Texas, and that's, that's uh, how many temples are in Thailand. And so on every campus, as Thad mentioned, there's a spirit house, and so <coughs> we... Uh, 
the, these are the most holy places in the city on the campus, and they invite the spirit of the property there. <coughs> I'm sorry. If you ever, if you ever um, heard, read in the Old Testament what an Asura pole is, basically in Thailand, they really is at every city, they have an Asura pole. And so it's the most holy place of the city. And where, so if a sports team, suppose, I mean, if, to put it in context, if, if Clay was playing Trussville in football, you might swing by the local Asura pole and pray and ask for blessings to play uh, and that God would protect you, he'd give you victory and things like that. And so they do that, literally sports teams from whenever they come into wherever the city is, they stop there, they make merit, they bow down to the idol and they ask the idol to protect them. <clears throat> And that's our campus we were on. Uh, the, the, the hardest thing about living in Thailand, almost the hardest thing besides missing our family uh, and our fellowship here, is just doing visas. Visas are just a pain. And so every year we have to renew our visa. One year there was issues with the religious affairs department. They, they, turned, they, they canceled our visa, so we had to go to Laos for about... Um, about a year and a half before we were able to renew our visa and so every three months we had to go to Laos and so it's just a it's just an issue and then so we do investigation penetration contextualization so you hear a lot about uh, the word contextualization but if we're trying to contextualize every part of our ministry not just evangelism so when you tell a, a Thai person um, Jesus loves them they've never heard of Jesus and they, don't, they have a misconstrued view, view of love, and they themselves don't think they need anything. In Thai, in the Buddha taught, ton bentipun kong ton, which means don't depend on anybody else, just depend, depend on yourself. So for the past 32 years, Terry and I and our teams and our staff, we've been, we minister to people and we talk to people who just don't see any need for anyone to help them. And so that's one of the biggest challenges of being in Thailand is just is the need to just help them understand and have a context for understanding and even listening to the gospel. That's our, uh, our uh, disciple-making grid. So we evangelize, establish, equip, and export. And so um, these are a group of guys just being exported. They read uh, books on discipleship and just like you would here on, on growing in your faith and being equipped. One of the biggest things that's contextualized is the whole idea of telling your family you're a Christian. So um, if, you went, if you became a Christian and in, in Clay or Trussville, I'm assuming, if, you just, if one of your kids came home and said, I became a Christian, you'd be like, awesome, that's incredible. We've had many, I've had guys here call me and tell me that their kids had become Christians. Amazing. Well, can you imagine going home or... Or imagine if, you, if, you, if your son came home from college and said, hey, I became a Buddhist. You know, I don't, I don't see anybody going, man, that'd be awesome. Like, I just want to hear that. That's what, well, that's what they have to do. So anybody, anybody who comes to Christ. So we help them have to contextualize how to tell their parents if, how they became a Christian, why they became a Christian, and, and even going to a funeral. How many of you guys have been to funerals? Everybody has been to a funeral. Well, when you go to a funeral in Thailand, they burn incense to, the, to their ancestors. So it's like we have to help coach them of things they can do and can't do as a believer. It's just it's an entire change of life and, and mindset and worldview in every way. <clears throat> 
So then we indigenized the ministry. If you look, the original picture over there on the left and then the right picture is a picture of our campus ministry. I always ask people if you could see what's different. Yeah, the, the ones on the right, there's no white people. So in, uh, the Lord blessed us in 2016. Terry and I moved from Konkan, Thailand to Chiang Mai, Thailand, and we were the last white people there. And they said goodbye to the grandparents. Uh, they called us the grandparents, and they sent us away. And um, so we, we indigenized the ministry there. Um, if you look, that's another picture. Our church was particularized uh, as a church there by Reverend Barker. He came over in 2000, and so there was one Thai guy and two white people, and then the picture on the right is our church retreat, and a picture, and again, there's, it's just amazing to see God raise up um, Thai people. And then we multiplied. Uh, we multiplied around the country. Like I said, we were in Bangkok down there in the, in the central part of the country. Then we were in the northeast in Konkan, and then we went to Udon, and, and we've been in Chiang Mai now for six years. And then the last thing is, <coughs> um, I and Terry are now, we, they call us the Southeast Asia Network Coordinator. So we're responsible for expansion, uh, strategies, holding people accountable, uh, being coaches, and really just uh, partnering well and connecting well with other ministries within Southeast Asia. So we're in Thailand in those um, three places, and then we're, and we want to send a team to Bangkok back to Bangkok, and then we're in Manila, Philippines. <coughs> and uh, for your, those of you at Joey Numbers, I spoke up in Fort, or down in Fort, I guess up in Fort Payne. I was there a few mo- uh, weeks ago, and uh, the guy said, can you just kind of summarize what's happened in 32 years? And so I said, okay. So conservatively, we've seen for sure 500 people uh, come to Christ, real commitments, real, real decisions for Christ, people that are still being discipled, walk with God, uh, we've discipled all of these as far as we, we could to be established as far as they wanted to grow in their faith. Uh, our disciples are serving around the country. We have some elders in churches in Bangkok and in other places. We have school teachers uh, in other parts of the country. We've seen a few people be called to missions. We'd like to see more. And then, um, yeah, we've had the opportunity to meet and at least to get to know 15,000 people and introduce them to Christ um, not they haven't come to Christ, but we've had the opportunity to share Christ with them. Uh, one of the things that I like to say is most Thai people do not reject Jesus. They just reject the messenger uh, to Christ. And so a lot of times just passing out tracts or just going up and sharing the four spiritual laws with somebody the first time, I'm white, I don't know them from anybody. Uh, and so it's very, very uh, challenging for them for the first time they hear the gospel message to just come to know Christ. So we help. We try to develop relationships with them to a certain extent in order to help share Christ with them, and then let another praise you, and not your own lips. One of my one of my greatest uh, joys is that there's a um, a uh, professor. He's a pa- he was a pastor. Now he's the head of the Bible College there in Konkan, Thailand, and he said just this last term to one of our uh, our Thai pastor who's studying there, Nai. He said, you know, I want all, all the missionaries to be like campus outreach missionaries. And he said, what do you mean? And he said, well, he said, you just raise up leaders and then you just give your ministry away. And that's really what we're always trying to do, what we're trusting God for to do. In Asia, it's very normal for a person to raise up a church and just to stay there. 
and to, they want the power or whatever. And so we're just thankful for the opportunity to see God raise up Thai laborers, elders, deacons in churches and, and staff on campus and also just people working in the business world, owning coffee shops and doing different things that they would be the ones who are leaders. And so the last thing is just how to pray. I'll just leave this up here for, I believe, you, right? So the, the, um, for how to pray for us is just Thai men to come to Christ, for Thai Christians to be burdened for others. One of the hardest things to do uh, because Thais are, not, are told not to care about other people, in a sense, just care about yourself. One of the hardest things is to, to equip people because they don't feel burdened to, to take the ministry or take the gospel to other people. And uh, if you'd pray for the Konkan and Chiang Mai staff, our Udon staff are under Konkan. If you'd just pray that they'd walk closely with God, that Terry and I would walk closely with God, and that we would see more laborers raised up. And so that's our prayer request. And um, yeah, so Terry and I are going back to Thailand. We, this is the longest we've ever spent in America. We've been here since last June with a short break in October. And we're going to, back to Thailand in May. Uh, of this year and so it's been a great year to minister to our family we have three kids here and my mom's 86 terry's dad's 86 and her mom's 82 and uh, just a great time to minister to our families especially coming out of COVID, and uh, not being able to come back very often so we just appreciate grace community church we love you guys we're so thankful for you being a part of our family and for loving us and then uh we, you know, we truly believe that you guys will be rejoicing around the throne of Christ together because of you being a part of what God's doing in Thailand. So thank you very much. Thank you, Brian, for that report. <clears throat> now we're going to focus more on what's going on here in the Alabama area. First of all, I want everybody that has ever been to camp at Ponderosa or has worked up there to please stand. Wow. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Ponderosa Bible Camp is not affiliated with our church, but it has become our our church camp, and so I have the privilege this morning of introducing Jeff and Ann uh, Nelson, who are, Jeff is the executive director at Ponderosa, and Ann is the, the uh, uh, well, she's behind the throne, I guess you could say. So we're so thankful to have them, and come, Jeff, and share what, what oh, oh, first of all, the video, yes, got to show the video. Like me, feel so ordinary. Looking for a place where we fit in. And people like me, we lie awake and worry. We're gonna miss a moment when life kicks in.
I don't have to say much. The video said it all. Um, and Ron told me that since I'm the last speaker, I can go as long as I want. He said, but at 12 o'clock, we're cutting the lights off, shutting the doors, and going to eat. So I'll hurry. Um, as Brent said, uh, I am Jeff Nelson, executive director. And that's my wife, Ann, and she's the executive's executive. So uh, that's her title. Um, she runs, actually, Ann runs all our website stuff, all of our social media stuff. Uh, she's our camp photographer and just all kinds of things like that, as well as uh, just putting up with me for 35 years. Um, let me tell you a little bit about how we got called to Ponderosa. I know a lot of you know us, but there's a lot of new folks here. So um, over 25 years ago, well, actually, more than that, um, Ponderosa Bible Camp opened as a, as a camp in 1976, and I was a camper there. Um, and I was there from 1976 through 1986 as a camper and a worker and a counselor and a program director and all those kind of things. I used to work, when I moved up to be a counselor, I used to work with a young lady named Teresa Ledford, whose now name is, last name is Blunt, and you think you got stories. Baby, I got stories. Um, and I'm not scared of any t stories she tells on me because I got good stories on her and her mother. Um, but I grew up going to camp there, and uh, it, it was such a tremendous uh, blessing to me and ministry to me uh, and helping me um, grow in my relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, so about a little over 25 years ago, Ann and I uh, felt the call of God telling us to go into full-time missions. And uh, at the time, we started praying, well, where do we go? And we actually thought we were going to Kazakhstan with Campus Outreach. And we went over there. Campus Outreach, great organization, didn't it? And we went over there, uh, spent 10 days in Kazakhstan. And we had friends that used to be small group leaders of ours. They were doing college ministry in Kazakhstan, and they had nobody working with uh, teens and youth and that's what we wanted to do and so we went over there and we were convinced that's where God wanted us we came back home after the 10 days we're getting ready to start doing what we needed to do and campus outreach called all the missionaries off the field in Kazakhstan and brought them home and so we said okay that's not where God wants us to go um, y'all when God closes the door he closes the door so uh, in the meantime we took our oldest son up to Ponderosa Bible Camp for him to enjoy camp like I did and the director at the time handed me an application and said, hey, if you ever considered this, do this. And um, that was actually sitting on, our, uh, on a table in our house. It had been sitting there for months because we were pursuing the Kazakhstan thing. And then God shut the door, and we looked at it and said, what do, what do you think God wants us to do? And there was that application, and we filled it out and started praying about it, and God opened the doors. And so we've been serving there now for 25 years. Um, we... Uh, uh, when we left to go to camp, we already had five children, and then we got up there, and we had six more. So right now, we have 11 children, five are married, right? So getting married. Yeah, okay? So I can't keep up with it. Um, we got another one getting married in June, um, trying to get them out of the house. Uh, was talking to Thad about that. He said, man, are y'all, I said, yeah, we, man, we've still got four or five in the house. Um, I just wish Jesus would come back soon. Um, <laughs> I, we'll never, I don't think we'll ever not have children in the house. Um, we love it. We have our own camp year long, so it's great. Um, uh, I also want to thank, uh, thank Grace Community that used to be Springville Road Community Church. I love what you said about that. They had to live on Springville Road to go to church there. That was good. Um, but they have been working with Ponderosa and, and serving up there for over 20 plus years. And um, 
when I first got to camp, we had a concrete slab. It was going to be, a, it was a proposed chapel. It was just a concrete slab, and it had metal beams up. And we moved up there in 1998, full-time, and it was look, looking like that. In 1999, it still looked like that. It had been, that concrete had been poured in 1996. In 2000, I was, uh, had become the director of the camp, and we had a board meeting. And I informed my board, I said, hey, um, I have $1,500 in bills sitting on my desk, and I have $350 in the checking account. And I said, we've got this building, or this slab of concrete been here for four years. I really think we need to do something about it. I think that's a bad testimony. And so that was bold. That's probably the boldest I've ever been. And I uh, said, you guys need to do something about it. And <laughs> not me, you. And, um, but we prayed, and we prayed about that. The next week, a guy that I knew from the Birmingham area, that's where I grew up, he um, called me and said, hey, can I come see you? Sure. He came out and said, we were sitting down talking. And he said, hey, um, my daughter had some money and, and wanted to give it to a ministry and wanted to know, you know, what, what were my thoughts? Where should I give it? And he said, well, you know, Pine Bible Camp, he used to go there as a kid. And then, of course, our church could use it. And, and he was actually the financial guy for another ministry in Birmingham at the time. He said, hey, we could always use money too. And she said, I'll pray about it. And he told me, he said, she prayed about it and she wanted to give you the money. So he hands me this envelope. I said, well, thank you very much. I'm just sitting there. You don't open it, right? Someone gives you a check. You don't open it right there in front of them. That'd be rude. And he goes, you may want to look at that. I said, okay. Open it up. It was a $73,000 check from a young lady. Um, and I was, I was, of course, amazed. That, and that was God early on preparing me to know that he will take care of everything. And we immediately put $53,000 into, into the building fund for that chapel. And the other twenty we put into our checking account. And so the next move was, okay, now we got money. How do we get this thing built? Now, for you construction people, $53,000 in um, 2000 went a lot further than it does today. Um, but literally two days after we got that check, I got a phone call from a guy from Springboro Road Community Church. Never heard of him. He said, you don't know me, but we have put a team of guys together that were going to do a construction project somewhere. That trip got canceled. They've already got a week off. Do you have anything up there we can do? I said, let me pray about it. Uh, <laughs> I said, yes. That was the relationship starting with myself, my wife, Ann, and Spring Road, which is now Grace Community Church. They came up, and I'm going to tell you something. One of the most amazing things about those men and there was like 20-something. Brent, were you on that one? Um, what, I know, I know. That's the amazing thing about it. Brent's pointing at Barry. Like, Barry was there. I'm surprised that Barry Hearnstall in this church, the way those guys treat him. <laughs> Barry has got so many crowns laid up in heaven for the way these construction guys harass the architect, okay? Um, I literally at one point said something to somebody. I said, do y'all just not like that guy? And they just started laughing, and they realized, oh, he doesn't know us. And that's when I learned that this church is overflowing with the spiritual gift of sarcasm. Um, <laughs> and they all come on the construction teams. Um, but, no, I, I learned a lot um, about construction, but a lot about this church and these men. And we are so grateful for, for all that this church has done in partnering with us and just building project upon building project, sending kids the, the two, I can call them kids, that were up here singing, and you were so proud of them. They come to camp, they serve with us, they work with us as well as a lot of others have. Um, so this has just been, this place is a great blessing, and we are 
really so grateful about uh, for you guys. Um, a little bit about us, uh, Ponderosa Bible Camp, uh, we're part of an organization called Children's Bible Ministries. Um, we are actually in thir- uh, nine states, 13 different areas. We're also in Honduras, and we're in the UK uh, doing ministry, uh, basically with, with students, um, elementary, middle school, and high school age kids. Um, we have 13 camps in, in the United States. Um, and then uh, the organization was founded in 1953. A guy from Moody Bible Institute graduated, went down to Florida, and he wanted to reach children in public schools. And so he would just go into the schools and preach the gospel. And kids were getting saved. And he thought, man, how can I get these kids to learn Bible verses and and to read their Bible? So he started a program that if they would read their Bible and learn Bible verses, and then they would quote them to their school teachers, amazing thing that could happen, um, the teachers would keep up with that, and they could earn scholarships to go to summer camp. And that's really how our ministry got started. Um, Today... Uh, that's one of the main ministries that all of our camps do, but we go into the public schools, but the ministry is called release time because today with the laws, you can't go into the school during the day um, and do something there, but we can go to the schools and the kids can be released from school to go with us to an off-site property and we can give them biblical instruction. So right now we are in all 10 elementary schools in DeKalb County. Um, of those 10 schools, eight of them have a church right next door that allows us to use their property. So we literally go to the school, check the kids out, walk across the street, and then we get them for one whole class period. Um, the other two places, one of them is right next to a place, a thing called Trade Day. If any of y'all been to Trade Day in Collinsville, Alabama, it's, it's the largest redneck flea market in the world. Um, <laughs> they sell everything from guns, ammo, animals, antiques, homemade Amish cheese. I mean, they got everything. Um, but the guy who owns that property gave us a piece of property and let us set up a mobile home on it. And we just take the kids right across the alley and do that. And then the other building uh, or other school, they actually have an auditorium in their parking lot that belongs to the county, not the school. And so they rent that building to us for $1 for a year so that we can do this. Um, if you saw the stats, if you read them, we started back in the release time program in 2002, and we've had... Uh, over actually 690 count more counting this year professions of faith um, in the public school students uh, statistics show that public school students in America over 80% of them have never set foot in a church in an evangelical church and I thought well it's gonna be different you know in Alabama we're the Bible Belt right well our statistics are over 70% it is amazing these kids now a lot of the kids that come to release time they are saved, They're, you know, their parents go to church and they send them, but they bring their friends with them. And a lot of these kids are hearing the gospel for the first time ever. And that's why it is such a, an unbelievable field, just white with the harvest. These kids are, are learning about Jesus. And we don't ever do the close your eyes, raise your hand. We talk with all of these kids on a one-on-one basis. And every profession of faith since 2002, they've, had, they've talked one-on-one with one of our teachers. We have 59 volunteers that help us in those 10 schools right now. And we go on a weekly basis. So we're at every school every week from September through the end of April. And so we get to see these kids. We have a, we have a five-year program. It's second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade. There's a program that they go through. We're teaching Bible characteristics, um, Bible character, excuse me, through uh, people in the Bible. And it has been an unbelievable, guys, it's an unbelievable uh, training um, 
uh, the field has just, it's, I mean, right here. Uh, you, you know, the theme is across the street, just across the street. And it's amazing what God is doing through uh, this ministry. I went one day to help Max, uh, the picture of Max Grizzard and his wife Sherry. Max runs our release time program, and he asked me one day, he said, hey, we got a volunteer that's missing at this school. Can you go up there today? I said, sure. So, man, I was just going to walk to the school, get the kids, walk them back, or walk them to the class, do their thing, you know, slap them upside the head if they're talking or whatever, and then walk them back. I wasn't teaching. I wasn't the leader of what, you know, anything. And yet, on the way back to the school, one of the little boys, uh, third grader, said, looked up at me, didn't even know my name, and he said, what do I got to do to get saved? And I didn't know. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> if I laugh, maybe I'll start crying. Um, and right there on the sidewalk in front of a school, I had that privilege. So, um, great, great ministry. Um, you saw some stats on our camping ministry. Obviously, we have summer camp. We, um, we do elementary ages, middle school, teens. We do a foster camp. Uh, our numbers, it, it was on there also. Our numbers went up this past summer. The most that we've had, actually, I think this, the... The video said in 10 years, it's the most kids at just our camps we've had in 20 years. And so it's growing. We're adding a week of camp this next year, another middle school week. It always fills up first. It's always crowded. So we're adding a, uh, another week of camp. So we'll have two elementaries, two middle schools, a teen week of camp. Um, we do a foster week of camp. So we'll be doing six full weeks of camp. And I'm going to talk about foster just a little while. But I know a lot of you parents out here send your kids to camp. A lot of you kids may come to camp. But you better register early this year. Um, last year was our first year that we partnered with uh, Angel Tree Camping. And if y'all have heard of Angel Tree Christmas, uh, Angel Tree is an organization that works. It's, they want to work with the kids of parents who are in prison. Either one or both parents are in prison. That's the ministry they have. They do camping now. So they will go to churches. They raise money, and they pay to send the kids to camp. Well, we, we uh, partnered up with them last year, and we had 10 or 11 kids that came to camp, full scholarship through Angel Tree Camping, um, that came to our place, and um, because we partnered with them and we did all the things they asked us to do, and they were pleased with us, they asked us if we would be interested in hosting more Angel Tree Kids, and we said, sure, we'd love to do that, um, and so they said, could you tell us what counties that you reach, and we, so we just kind of said, okay, here's a 50-mile radius of Ponderosa Bible Camp, which we're in Mentone, Alabama, here's a 50-mile radius, so we kind of hit Chattanooga and Huntsville and Rome, Georgia and Birmingham and, you know, and so, um, maybe more than 50 miles, but that was kind of an hour and a half, whatever. They sent us a list of 1,900 kids. They're within an hour and a half of our camp. And we're the only camp in that radius right now that offers those kids. Well, listen, if we fill up all six weeks of camp, we only have 350 to 400 kids. There's a list of 1,900. And so, we're in the next few weeks, we'll start reaching out to these families to let them know they can send their kids to camp. It'll be paid for. So, I mean, what an answer to prayer, number one. I mean, just 2020, we had to close camp because of the pandemic. We couldn't have any kids. Then the next year, the numbers were really small. Um, and then God just blessed us last year, and we had more than had a long time. And now we have the potential to just, I don't know what, I mean, we can't have any more weeks of camp because school starts, you know, the beginning of August now and now. So, uh, be praying about that and that God will just, Send those ones that he wants. Um, but it is, it is great opportunity and unbelievable potential. Um, and then I told you I mentioned our foster camp. We do a week of camp just for foster kids. 
and we reach out to different uh, DHR programs, and this has been an unbelievable week of camp. Um, we do things differently. We do have a fewer number of kids, but we throw a birthday party for them, um, give them presents. Um, we, but, but the reason we do that is 80% of foster kids have never had their own birthday party, and so we do a big party for them. Um, we, do, we have a lot more staff that week. Obviously, we want the ratio of leaders to kids to be a lot closer. Um, it is amazing, again, the, the field, the harvest for these kids. I mean, obviously, y'all, if they're in foster care, they have been through some tough stuff. Um, we're amazed at the number of kids um, and how they try to put them back in homes or, you know, they come in and out of just terrible situations, but there's nowhere else to put them. When we first started doing foster camp in our county, in DeKalb County, there were 150 foster kids and only 26 foster homes. So they just sent them right back to the stuff they came out of. This past Christmas or Christmas break, three of the little boys that came to foster camp this past summer, we had them come into our house. And we had them for how many, however long that was, um, three weeks, seemed like 12. Um, <laughs> Um, we love these boys. The, the situation they're in, they're actually living with some relatives that don't want them. They sleep on the floor because there's nowhere to put them. And people say, wait a minute, there's, there are laws, there are rules against that. They can't do that. Well, you've got nowhere else to put them. You put them with somebody who will take them. And, and so they're coming back. They're going to spend probably most of the summer with us again, and we'll put them in camp some. The older one is going to work in our uh, leadership training program. That's something, one of our ministries, we have leadership training, eighth grade through college age. Um, they... Uh, we have what are called team members, SALT members, and then our counselors. And in this leader, we take a week of training before summer camp starts. Folks, we go through uh, spiritual gifts analysis with these folks. We do um, personality profiles with them, and we do love languages with them. And our purpose in doing this is to show them that they are uniquely created by God to serve Him. And if they understand the unique way and the gifts that God has given them, they will be able to understand, you know, better ways to serve God. And you, you know, if you've been saved for a while, you know God can use you even when you don't want to be used. But when you want to be used and then you understand the specific giftingness he's given you, you can be so much more effective. We had a young lady, 19 years old, had never done any of these things. She was saved, but she had never... Uh, had a spiritual gifts analysis, never had a personality profile, love line, any of that stuff. And she told me at the end of the week, she came to me, she said, <clears throat> she, she said, Mr. Jeff, I know exactly what God created me to do now. Y'all, that's fantastic. I would have loved to have known that stuff when I was a lot younger. So that's what we do. That's our leadership training program. And one of these young boys that's in foster care right now, he's going to get to start going through that with us. He's, he's old enough. He'll be 14, so he'll be able to start doing that. Um, our other areas... Uh, we are a retreat center as well. We, we uh, all throughout the rest of the year, when summer camp's over, we uh, rent to all types of groups, church groups, uh, youth groups, elementary groups, middle age school groups, adult groups have come. Um, we do weddings. We've had a bunch of weddings. Of course, most of them are our kids. Um, <laughs> a lot cheaper to go to one of the decks back here and marry your kid off. Um, and I'm ordained, so I can do that. Um, but we've had, we, really, we've had a lot of weddings there. We've had family reunions, so... It's just a, a way of, of effectively uh, trying to uh, use what God has given us uh, to help keep the ministry going. Um, and I think, oh, and then the last of our five ministries is something we call Mailbox Club Lessons. And that is just at-home Bible correspondence. Kids sign up for this. Uh, we send them Bible lessons. They read the 
the, the scripture, they read the lessons, they answer questions, they mail them in, we grade them for them, mail them back their answers, and then their next lesson, anywhere from 8 to 12 lessons per age group. Um, and if they fill these out, they can earn a scholarship to come to camp. If they learn the Bible verses that go along with them, they can earn a little extra money to come to camp. And so we're, we're doing, right now, uh, Miss Diane is on top of this. She does our release time, uh, excuse me, our mailbox club ministry. And she is um, a little over 100 kids right now that are signed up and doing that. And she, on a weekly basis, she's grading those papers and sending them back. So that's, you know, that's probably around 1,000 to 1,200 lessons that she has to grade and do and get back in. And it, you know, it starts, it'll start in September and it runs until April. Um, but it is a great, I mean, I grew up doing those lessons. I think I've done every single one of those lessons. My parents were going to make sure that I got that scholarship for them to send me to camp. Um, and of course, when I went to camp, it was like $35 a week. We're about $350 a week now. Um, but my dad said, I can't feed you for $35 a week. So he sent me to camp all the time. Um, but um, we are so grateful for what God has done. Um, allowing us to be there uh, to serve him. Um, and we are so grateful. And Anne, over and over again, said, you remind these folks how grateful we are for y'all, for your prayer support, your financial support, and the physical support. And I want to tell you something. Y'all saw the picture of those guys that came up there. What a blessing that is. And let me just say, they're old, okay? <laughs> They've asked me to let you know they're old. Some of you younger guys, you got to get saved and start coming to camp. And start helping. No, we are grateful. We are grateful uh, for those guys. And, but they, they are old. And so uh, pray for them. Thanks. Was there a road leading to the camp back when you and Teresa went to camp? No. no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, well, across the street and around the world, the common denominator is the Lord and the gospel. He's working across the street, and he's doing it around the world. And uh, you get to be a part of that, too. Um, every single day, God has you in the neighborhood you're in for a reason, and he puts people in your lives for a reason. We know that. And so we want to just take the opportunity to close right now to pray for our missionaries. So I'm going to ask the missions committee and our missionaries to come up front like we did last week. So the missions committee and the missionaries, y'all can make your way up front. Stand, that means stand up, and that means walk toward the front. All right, that'd be great. And um, we are going to, after we're dismissed, we will have a lunch that is, um, as you can smell, it's being prepared. And it should be ready for you to go. The only instructions I have with that or for you to exit out the back of the sanctuary and then the, to your left, to my left right now, right out those double doors as entrance into the fellowship hall and you can go in there and form a line and be patient and your time will come and uh, you'll obviously be able to see what's going on in terms of the food that's available and obviously everyone here today is invited to come and be a part of that and so if you're visiting with us today, you are invited uh, to do that as well. I am going to have Brent Mizell uh, close our time in prayer and then pray for the food, and then you'll be dismissed after he prays, all right? Father, we're thank you, thankful this morning, Lord, for these men and women that are standing, that are our missionaries all around the world, Lord, some right here, some 
clear across in Thailand and South America, Latin America, Africa, wherever, Lord, that you've called them to. And we're so grateful that they answer the call. And we think of that phrase that Brian mentioned, Lord, one decision can make the difference in your life. We pray for those that are young, Lord, that you would guide and direct their decisions that they make so that they might follow what you would have for them and not make bad decisions, Lord. We thank thee for those who have made good decisions and are serving you all around the world. We praise you for the challenges that we've heard, Lord, from all of our, these missionaries that have presented the last two Sundays. We pray that you would continue to bless them and use them as they carry on the ministry that you've called them to. And thank you, Lord, for the challenge we've heard, that we would be active around, across the street and around the world, wherever you may call us. We pray now that you bless this food to our bodies, and thank you so much for the hands that prepared it, and thank you for the time that we can have a fellowship, not only with one another, but with the missionaries that we have here with us. May you bless each one, in Jesus' name, amen.